blue wire. Rosen traded to the Dolphins. I couldn't be more excited to become a Dolphin. Rosen looking down the field, and his pass is going to be caught for the touchdown. Running around, circling, oh, look out! Listen up, fans. It's the offseason. It's February, which means it's my favorite time of year. It's draft season. I'm your host, Kyle Krabs, here on Finnit to Win It. And listen, if you're not familiar with yours truly, let me introduce myself. My full-time job, I work for a company entitled The Draft Network. And we cover college football, the NFL, the NFL draft, and the marriage, and the intersection of all three of those points year-round. Because the draft is a year-round process. The draft is not just three days in April. The draft is not just a February through April or early March or early May affair. The draft is a process. You hear people reference the draft process. What it entails. The actual games during the fall. All-star events like the Senior Bowl and the Shrine Game, which were in January. The NFL Combine, which this year is in late February, early March. The Pro Day Circuit, which bridges the entire gap from the Combine through to uh, the week of the NFL Draft. And then the NFL Draft itself, and then the subsequent roster churning that you see for months on end there afterwards. So we just covered 10 months out of the year. Right there, and, and that's why this time of year is my favorite because it brings to the forefront for football fans everywhere what I and my coworkers at the Draft Network already believe, which is it's always draft season. But now for everyone, it's draft season. And what we're going to do today here on Fin It to Win It is I recently just conducted a big board update for the 2020 NFL Draft. This is my seventh year of scouting prospects for the 2020 NFL Draft, so by the time this is all said and done, I will have written over 2,100 scouting reports. I write 300 plus every year. So I've seen some shit, right? (laughs) And this is a good class. Let me say that up front. This is a great class to need everything on your roster. This is a great class to have three first-round picks at your disposal and six first-round picks, or six picks, in the top 75. Top 75 is kind of where we expect our money to be made. This is where you find starters in the NFL draft on a consistent basis. Dolphins have six of these picks as things stand right now. And how they choose to attack the draft may dictate they may have more, they may have less. We're going to get into all those options. But for now, I want to cover some of the prospects who may be a little under the radar. We'll cover the names that are, are stereotypically associated with the Dolphins and then get into some other names that we should be watching for Miami this April. So if I said the words Miami Dolphins, the next words, if we're doing word association, the next words for a draft, Nick, would be to a tongue of Iowa. That's the way it is. That's That has been 
For more than 12 months now, the Dolphins have been rumored to have Tua as the apple of their eye, their choice for a quarterback. It was the reason why they tore down the roster, according to some, to have a shot to position themselves to pick a quarterback, and that quarterback being Tua. Well, lo and behold, the Dolphins didn't go 0-16. They didn't get the first overall pick. But as we've seen happen literally six years in a row now, seemingly, at, at least three years in a row now, a quarterback has come out of nowhere and will be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft that nobody was talking about at the beginning of the season. Two years ago, it was Baker Mayfield. Everybody was talking about Sam Darnold. Baker Mayfield was considered the mid-round guy. Last year, it was Kyler Murray. Everybody last year was talking about guys like Drew Locke and Justin Herbert, who ended up going back to school. Kyler Murray was just a baseball player. Went number one overall. This year, everyone's talking about Tua, and Joe Burrow comes out of nowhere, was a mid-round guy, and will be the number one overall pick in the NFL draft to the Cincinnati Bengals, and the primary beneficiary of that will be the Detroit Lions. <laughs> but also potentially the Miami Dolphins, because uh, Detroit's sitting in the three-hole. They're going to have an opportunity to trade that pick uh, with the demand unless... unless the medicals come back bad. But even if the medicals come back bad, the Dolphins will have every opportunity to draft two. That will not change. I'm not going to get into sleeper players for the fifth pick. It ain't going to happen. If the medicals come back clean, they're drafting two. So, for all the fans that want to trade back, pick up more picks in 2021 and Trevor Lawrence, they're guys Tua. And if Tua stays healthy, he's well-deserving of being the guy. And if Tua, you could guarantee me a healthy Tua, which I know is a very risky proposition to start to get into, but if you could guarantee me a healthy Tua, I would be okay with not being in a position to draft Trevor Lawrence. Would I take Trevor Lawrence in a vacuum over Tua? Yeah, Trevor's the stereotypical blue chip, top shelf quarterback prospect. Tua is a little bit lesser of an arm. He's not as tall. You know, that does matter to some degree as far as being able to see the entire field and, and getting balls out, uh, not having to worry about altering your arm slot quite so much. But Tua is pretty good on that front. The durability factor also for Trevor Lawrence. But the Dolphins have their guy, and, and, and Tua is their guy, unless the medicals dictate otherwise. At 18, some popular names. I just did a mock draft on Monday. Matt Miller did a mock draft on Monday. And Tom McShay did a mock draft today. And all three gave the Dolphins Andrew Thomas offensive tackle from Georgia at 18. I'm not crazy about Thomas, but I will say this about Andrew Thomas. If he ends up being the pick for Miami, he's a much better fit for the Dolphins than he is for some other teams. And Thomas came into the year as the general consensus number one offensive tackle prospect. And now you're seeing guys like Mackay Becton from Louisville, who's uh, more of the same power player that Thomas is, but he's more fluid and, and mobile. Uh, you got Jedrick Wills' right tackle and Tristan Wirth's right tackle from Iowa and Alabama. Uh, those two guys have also kind of elevated and, and passed Andrew Thomas on a lot of boards. 
And the reason being is Andrew Thomas is just, he's a more scheme-specific guy. Now, for the Dolphins, whether it was going to be Chad O'Shea or even Chan Gailey, horizontal spread, Chan Gailey. A lot of predominantly quick game for Chad O'Shea. Both these teams, or both these perspective offenses, Simply put, need offensive linemen that are going to win the point of attack and win at the line of scrimmage in the run game because the Dolphins have none of those players right now. Thomas is better in quick game, and he's better in power run and resetting the line of scrimmage. He is a true asset in the run game. He's okay in pass pro. He's serviceable because he's got great length, and he's fluid enough. But if I'm Tampa Bay Buccaneers and I'm running a bunch of seven-step drops and I'm throwing everything 20 yards downfield, no, I don't want Andrew Thomas as my left tackle. But in Miami, he makes sense. Horizontal, quick game, run after catch. A lot of what you saw Tua do in 2019 with the, the Alabama Crimson Tide. You get to 26, it gets real messy. Uh, I had the Dolphins trading out of 26 because I had the Dolphins copying the New York Jets uh, template of trading from 6-3 to three for Sam Darnold in 2018 uh, to trade up to 3 in my mock draft with the Detroit Lions. So Miami would have had 3-18-26, but no second-round pick. So I had them trading out of the first round, picking up... Uh, they traded to Arizona, so they would have gotten 30, uh, 72, and then a 2021 third-round pick. So it would have replaced, effectively, the two picks that they lost in the second round. They both would have been a little later in the order and actually returned a third-round pick in 2021. So the trade-up for Miami would have cost 2020 first-round pick, and in return, you trade up two spots but you also get a 2021 third round pick when it's all said and done. So I like that. But you see a lot of running backs projected to the Dolphins here, and that's why I wanted to get into some different options. Uh, I know Todd McShay gave them Zach Bond, the defender from Wisconsin, and it makes sense on a surface level because the Dolphins seem to have this pipeline working with... Vince Beagle on the roster, Andrew Van Ginkle on the roster. They have this hybrid rush off-ball linebacker role available that Zach Bond plays. Bond is a pretty good athlete. He's going to test fairly well. His football intelligence is through the roof. So I get it. I get it. Do I love it? No. Another name that, that that's popularly associated with the Dolphins at that point, names like Xavier McKinney, the safety from Alabama. And if they could walk away with Xavier McKinney, if you could tell me Xavier McKinney would be the pick at 26, I'd take it right now. The problem is, I don't think he makes it that far. I think you have a better chance of seeing Grant Delpit on the board at 26 than you do Xavier McKinney. Why? McKinney has a little less explosiveness, a little less fluidity to his game, but he is an exponentially better tackler than Grant Delpit. And that is an area that NFL teams, you have no clue how they're going to handle it. 
Chauncey Garner-Johnson was this nickel hybrid defender from 2019. Got a first-round grade on him. He ended up lasting until the fourth round. Why? Because over the course of the majority of his career, he had bad tackling, and he wasn't a great interview. Lo and behold, guess who is on the first-team all-rookie team in 2019? Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, because he went to the Saints. Good football players, even if they are good football players, if you have tackling questions and you're a guy that's going to be in the nickel or on the back end as a safety, teams get scared with that. And McKinney's a better tackler. So you see a lot of McKinney pegged in the late 20s in mock drafts. I wouldn't get used to it. Dallas at 17 makes a ton of sense. The Dolphins at 18 make a ton of sense, too. Um, so let's get into some, some different names, specifically at 26, right? And so it's a weird spot. I don't think quarterback is in play anywhere other than five. If we were to talk running backs, I think JK Dobbins makes the most sense for the Miami Dolphins. I would not be mad with DeAndre Swift. I wouldn't love a running back in the first round. JK Dobbins, I think gives you. A little bit more explosiveness. Um, Dobbins was kind of banged up in 2018 with the Buckeyes. 2019 really turned the corner. He looked a lot more explosive. I thought he was, uh, he had over 2,000 yards rushing on the season. He had a terrific season this past year. Uh, but the way he's built low to the ground, the way he can move laterally and spring and, and have explosiveness to his cuts the impact he brings to the receiving game. It's all the same stuff you get with DeAndre Swift, but I just... <sighs> Dobbins just... I love his explosive plays. You know, DeAndre Swift, you know, he makes a ton of big plays and his contact balance is excellent. Dobbins, for me, is just a flavor of running back that I, I seem to prefer a little bit more. Uh, it's nothing against DeAndre Swift, Uh Swift is my running back, two in this process. Dobbins is just RB1. So if Miami were to take a running back at 26, I would much rather see them take Dobbins just because Dobbins is, quote-unquote, my guy. Don't think wide receivers in play for them in the first 50 picks. Uh, anything that they do in the first or second round, I have a really hard time seeing a wide receiver being on the table because you've got Preston Williams, who said at the Super Bowl week this past week that he's ahead of schedule, and Devontae Parker... Jakeem Grant and Alan Hearns got contract extensions this past year during the season. Uh, we got to figure out what we're doing with Burt Wilson, but if we're going to pay him $10 million, I'd say thanks for two seasons. Uh, best of luck to you. Tight end. It's a terrible tight end class. Let's not even pretend like the Dolphins are going to take a tight end anywhere in the first two rounds. Because if they do, I'm mad on line. Which brings us to the offensive line. This is where it gets fun. Offensive tackle. Uh, my offensive tackle rankings at this point in time. I have Jedrick Wills, number one. He'll be going in the top 10. Tristan Wirfs, number two. He'll be going in the top 15. Mekhi Becton, number three from Louisville. He will be going in the top 15. Guaranteed. Andrew Thomas at 18. We've already discussed him a little bit. But if you get to 26, Josh Jones is another name that's frequently associated with the Dolphins. I don't love it i got to be honest, I think he's a little too raw. I wouldn't want that raw of a player, even though 
I do trust the Dolphins coaching staff. They gained enough trust from me in seeing them pluck street-free agents and playing them in the secondary on a weekly basis, literally a weekly basis. And they played well enough for the Dolphins to go 5-4 and four in their final nine games. It's pretty incredible to see what they did with Devontae Parker, to see what they did with Mike Isecki, Nick Needham, who looked like he didn't belong in an NFL field during the preseason. Jerome Baker turned a corner. Vince Beagle. Christian Wilkins in the second half. So, like, they have enough clout. Eric Rowe. This coaching staff has enough credibility for me in their ability to develop talent and put players in good positions and get them to buy in. Looking at you, Minka Fitzpatrick, and don't even freaking get me started on Minka Fitzpatrick. Didn't like moving around in Miami. So he cries and gets a trade to Pittsburgh. And I don't know if you guys saw this article that came out, but at the end of the season, he did an interview with The Athletic complaining that the Steelers didn't move him around enough. Minka! Brother! Hello! It's almost like Flores knew how to keep you involved in the game on a weekly basis. Don't get me started. Glad you guys lost your last three games and missed the playoffs. Here's to the Dolphins making the playoffs before the Steelers do again. God, man. Anyway. Josh Jones would not be my choice if the Dolphins were to draft an offensive tackle at 26. Who would I choose? My eyes go to TCU, uh, Lucas Nyang. He is a big boy. So take Andrew Thomas, put him on the right side of the offensive line, make him more athletic, and make him a little less polished. And that's Lucas Nyang. Lucas Nyang is a mauler in the run game. He's listed at 6'7", 330. Uh, he had a hip injury that ended his season prematurely, so there's a medical thing here, and I know Dolphins fans can say, oh my God, Dolphins. Kyle wants the Dolphins to have no functioning hips between two and Lucas Nang. If the medicals check out, he would be my guy. If I was going to take an offensive tackle 26, because again, he's a guy that resets the line of scrimmage consistently. He's a clean mover. I don't think he allowed... I, he might have allowed one sack in his final two years at TCU, and I know like sack numbers are also a quarterback stat as much as anything else, but he was really good in pass pro. His hand placement got better in 2019 versus 2018, so you're seeing the arrow kind of pointing up as well. That would be my choice at offensive tackle. If you get into interior offensive line, it gets really weird because it's a weird group. A lot of the guys that we expected to be at the top of this group aren't there anymore. We were expecting to see Tyler Beattis, but his film this past year was horrible. Uh, we were expecting to see Creed Humphrey, Humphrey from Oklahoma. He chose to go back to school. Uh, there aren't almost no guard prospects. Trey Smith from Tennessee also went back to school. So who's here that's realistic at, at, at 26 at the end of the first round? There's two names that come to mind for me. One, one guy was a senior bowl guy. The other guy was an early entry to the draft. Lloyd Cushenberry, who's my second-rated interior offensive lineman right now. If the Dolphins wanted to make sure they check that box and they don't want to wait till 39, if they say, 
We want the offensive lineman in the first round. We'll take the best available running back at 39. You might miss Dobbins slash Swift. The other one's probably still going to be there. So take the interior offensive lineman because you get to the top of the second round again, and it's not a coincidence that most of the teams that suck in the NFL just have bad offensive line play. So if you kick it down the road and you say, let's get the running back, we'll take the best available interior offensive lineman, you're going to be making concessions on who's available at 39 versus only making one concession possibly if you choose to pass a running back. Lloyd Cushenberry from LSU, a little bit more of a power player, uh, really smooth feet, really long arms. He's got 34-plus inch arms. He had a really good showing at the Senior Bowl. He had really good tape this year. Uh, He's not a special athlete. But he's long, he's stout, he drops the anchor really well on the inside. I like that as a glue piece. The other one is Cesar Ruiz from Michigan, who I literally got around to watching yesterday, wrote up his film report. And he's good, guys. He's dense. He's very very dense. He's 6'4", 320 as a center. Uh, He moves well on the hoof. He doesn't have the, the length that Cushenberry has, but he's a guy that I think makes a lot of sense. For the Dolphins, you know, obviously there's a Michigan connection here, and you know we all know how much Steve Ross loves Michigan guys. And Ruiz impressed me with his consistency in all phases of the game, uh, ability to manipulate guys in short spaces. I think he's a little bit better working his hips across guys in the run game to set alleys than what Cushenberry is. So that would be a name that I would call out as a sleeper for the Dolphins. We switch over to the defensive side of the ball. Listen, defensive line's probably not going to be in play for the Dolphins early in the draft. Linebacker, Zach Bond. We'll get into edge guys here in just a second to finish the show, but I don't see off-ball linebacker being in play. Cornerback, it's a really deep corner class. I could get behind some names. C.J. Henderson from Florida, but he doesn't really tackle with the consistency that that Flores is probably going to like. Jalen Johnson, some people seem to think, is a first-round player at the end of the first round. I don't see it because I think he's slow and I think he's stiff. I think he's grabby. Um, I think you'll see a lot of the the quick-footed guys go early. Guys like Jeff Gladney, I think, is an opportunity to be a top-25 pick. Akuda will be gone. Damon Arnett's a real solid sleeper. He's an option uh, that I wouldn't hate at 26, but I'd probably ideally like to target him in the second round instead. Safety, we already talked about Xavier McKinney. I wouldn't dislike Grant Dell, but if he was the pick at 26, if he ends up falling, like I think he has the chance to. But let's talk about these edge guys real quick. Uh, my edge rankings. I have Chase Young, duh. Caleb on Chase on, Yatur Gross Matos, AJ Epinesa. Epinesa is a popular guy for Dolphins fans to see mocked. At 18, uh, I don't think he gets past the Patriots at 23 if he's available on the board for the Patriots to pick. So it would be 18 or bust for him there. Gross Matos is an interesting one because I think Chason's going to rise too much for the Dolphins. I think it'll be a top 15 pick when it's all said and done. And he should be. He's awesome. Gross Matos is really the only other name that we can talk about here with any kind of realism to be in consideration. I, I don't put Curtis Weaver in that air anymore, and I thought he had a chance to be, but the more I watched him, yeah, I'm, I'm, he's more of a day two guy. Julian Aquara, I don't think has the physicality 
the play at the line of scrimmage that the Dolphins are going to want. He's more of just a space penetration player. Not a bad player, but not a player that makes a lot of sense for the Dolphins. Uh, Jonathan Grenard is a riser from the Senior Bowl, but he's it's not realistic to expect to see him in that air either, in my opinion. Terrell Lewis is a little too raw kid from Alabama uh, that I wouldn't want to, to draft him at 26 as far as he doesn't really illustrate a pass rush plan. He's got great athleticism for his length, but I'm not in. Gross Matos is the one that I thought turned the corner a little bit this year. He's very explosive. From a build perspective, he's exactly what you want as a guy that's going to play with his hand in the dirt. He's got elite short area quickness. He's got elite length. He just doesn't have his pass rush plan down yet. He's coming into his own. Ohio State 2019 was a really good game. I'd be receptive to this pick. Would I love this pick? No. Would I hate this pick? No. Would I like this pick? Yes. So that's like on the great lexicon of emotions. I'm on the positive side of the proposition of drafting gross mottos. He's not a name that gets a ton of pump for Miami, uh, but I think he's a name that's realistic to expect to be there. So in quick summary, some of the sleeper names for 26 for the Dolphins. We have Lucas Nyang, offensive tackle. We have Lloyd Cushenberry, interior offensive lineman. He's a center. We also have Cesar Ruiz, a center from my uh, from Michigan. We have Yatur Gross Matos. We had J.K. Dobbins we talked about a little bit as well. Don't be surprised if Grant Delpit's there. And if he is there, hey, I'm in at that point. We can make it work. He's smart. He's fluid. He's fast. He's explosive. Hope you guys enjoyed getting a couple new names into the conversation for who the Dolphins should be considering in the first round in the spirit of all the mock drafts that are coming up because it's draft season, it's mock draft season, and it's Dolphins season. Kyle Krabs signing off. Thanks for listening to Fin It to Win It.